Welcome back to the Cinderella Theorem. If you missed the previous chapters, you can find them on this podcast in the episode list. And now, chapter 14, Everyone Vanishes. In spite of my lateness, I sat on the edge of my bed for a few moments. I was tired of being part of Levi's evil scheme, and I didn't think I could handle much more of him and his grease. I got up and washed my finger in the bathroom. I came back and rushed around, throwing on some clothes and grabbing my book bag. After checking the time, I calculated there was just enough left to brush my teeth and walk quickly to school. Breakfast would have to be skipped. King Tub was already in the bathroom, but since he was only using the mirror phone, he didn't bother to close the door. He should have. He was wearing no shirt, only the shorts he slept in, and his hair was wild. He stood in front of the mirror, waving his hands and yelling at Macon Mind. It seemed Levi had messed with their alarm, too. I left my improperly clothed father and went to get my extra toothbrush from the hall closet. I could brush my teeth at the kitchen sink. However, when I opened the closet door, I remembered my extra toothbrush was in my bathroom at the castle. I sighed, annoyed about fathers without shirts, toothbrushes in different worlds, and alarms that didn't work because greasy sycophants turned them off. I went downstairs and grabbed some gum, not at all cheered by its dual role as breakfast and breath freshener. Corey did not help my annoyed mood. This was unfortunate because as my best friend, she had the greatest probability of solving that equation. Corey was, in fact, annoyed herself, and she was annoyed at me. She had tried to call me over the weekend, apparently, several times. No one ever answered the phone. I wonder why. I kept getting your machine. Did you go out of town? Why didn't you leave a message? I asked, avoiding the out-of-town question. I needed time to think of an answer. You know I can't leave messages, Lily. Oh, right. I had forgotten, but it was true. In addition to being obsessed with punctuality and the effective use of time, Corey's father was also extremely concerned with saving money. He said one of the secrets of the phone company tyrants, as he called them, was that if you didn't leave a message on an answering machine, then you wouldn't be charged as much. Whether this was true or not, I didn't know. But Corey told me once she suspected him of listening on the other phone to make sure she didn't leave messages when she called people. So where were you? The bell rang and we started walking to our lockers. I panicked. I'd hoped Corey would never notice I was unavailable from 3.30 to 5 every day or that I was gone for entire weekends. I couldn't think of anything I could twist around to make the truth. Mom and I were in and out a lot. We probably just kept missing each other. Yeah, I guess. Corey picked up her bag and closed her locker door. See you at lunch? Yeah, see you, Corey. I sighed. Corey, quite normally, walked to her first class, and I was left alone with an abnormal mess of half-truths and fairy tale people. Mrs. Fox was in a terrific mood. She hopped around in her exclamatory way, asking about everyone's weekends. She would have loved mine. My mind strayed for a moment, thinking about Mrs. Fox planning a field trip to Smith's SFL. Make sure you bring your keys, everyone. Now remember, don't upset Morgan Le Fay. Who can tell me a story this handsome wolf is in? All right, class, let's begin. The real Mrs. Fox called my attention away from the imaginary one. Get out a sheet of paper, put your name on it, then write the topic of your fairy tale paper. Fairy tale paper? Oh, no. In response to the exasperated sighs from some of the class, Mrs. Fox said, Remember? I gave the assignment on Friday. You were to turn in your topic today. I did not remember. A lot of things had happened since Friday. I ripped a sheet of paper out of my notebook, annoyed I had let a massive storm, magical doors, tea with Cinderella, hot chocolate with Kalo, a dragon attack, tea with bears, and greasy Levi make me forget a homework assignment. Mrs. Fox circled the room, winding up her exclamation point. Don't forget to start your topic with either legendary literature is worthy of study because, or legendary literature is not worthy of study because. I stared at my paper, searching my brain for any kind of topic. My mind rebelled against the abnormality of writing about fairy tales. I couldn't think. The 
This wasn't a normal thought process. In fact, since my birthday, nothing had been normal. A life filled with magic was not normal. My parents were not normal. Dragons were not normal. Practically lying to my best friend was not normal. Fairy tales were not normal. I sat up. My mind turned that last thought over and over again. Fairy tales were not normal. They could never live completely happily ever after because they were not normal. They had poisoned apples and glass shoes and really long hair. No wonder Hia was so busy. The citizens didn't stand a chance of being happy. Normality equaled happiness. Yet their stories were still read to children night after night, and those children grew up thinking being happily ever after was some magical thing that could happen to them. I grabbed a pencil and started to write. Legendary literature is not worthy of study because it presents a false idea of happiness. Children who read this kind of literature associate happily ever after with these stories. Fairy tales especially should not be studied since the children cannot relate to the characters. The magic and enchantment of the tales separate them from the readers. Fairy tales can never present a normal picture of happiness because they are not, in fact, normal. Kayla was out when I got to work. A note on my desk read, I had to take an emergency case. Not sure when I'll get back. Use the afternoon to brush up on some stories. You definitely need it. Kalo. I crumpled his note into a ball and threw it away. I had just finished highlighting the citizens who were in danger on the latest report when Lane, the dwarf in blue, entered the cubicle. Got a letter for you, princess. He handed it to me. I opened the envelope, relieved it was not black. It was from Cinderella. She thanked me for a pleasant afternoon last week and hoped I would visit again. She was available at any time, she said, because unlike Avon, who probably couldn't join us because he was so busy, she had nothing occupying her at present. Again, that hint of something that was always in her tone. Bitterness? I grabbed the three o'clock report. Ella was only less than happy, just below happy. I mentally processed the past reports I had highlighted. I could not remember a time when Ella had been above less than happy. I found the other reports for the day on Kalo's desk and looked through them. She'd been less than happy all day. I felt close to making a hypothesis, or even a conclusion, but I stopped myself. I needed more data. Hypothesizing with insufficient data was really unacceptable. I grabbed the inner office phone and called Hannah. How can I help you, princess? Can you connect me to the observatory? Of course. I heard a clicking on the line, then, this is the observatory, Doug speaking. Hi, Doug. This is Lily. Uh, Princess Lily, I added stupidly. Certainly, princess. How can I be of service to you? I'm processing some past data for a report. Could you tell me when Cinderella's levels were last over less than happy? Sure, one moment. I could hear Doug typing in the background. Uh, princess? Yes? We only keep observation records in our files for three months, and I have no record of Cinderella being over less than happy in that time. She dipped a couple of times, but never to could be happier. Oh, I paused. So there's no way to know when she was last happy? No, well... After three months, we transfer our files to the archive. They'll be able to help you, and you'll have the advantage of looking at the whole file. You know, happyologist visits and notes, things like that. Ask for Kiki Ka, she'll help you. Kiki Ka? She runs the archive. She's Serena's oldest sister. Who's Serena? The name sounded familiar. The Little Mermaid? Doug said slowly like he wasn't sure why I didn't already know that Serena was the Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid has sisters? Uh, yes, five to be exact. I decided to end the conversation before Doug found out I truly know nothing about this world. So I should ask Kiki Ka for the Cinderella file? Yeah, she organized the entire archive when it opened. She'll be able to find whatever you need. I thanked him and said goodbye. I sat back in my chair to think. If I was right about Ella, her file would show she hadn't been happy in a while. In every encounter with her, I had felt that odd bitterness. She was not happy, 
and if that was true, I could use her for my paper. I could use her to prove fairy tale characters aren't happy because they aren't normal. Kiki Ka, for all of her organization, was not in the archive. She was not even the building, her replacement Deborah told me. She's on vacation. I was a little disappointed. Even though I didn't know the Little Mermaid had five sisters, I knew Serena would be the only one to have legs. I was curious to see how Kiki Ka managed to be working in an office. A rolling tub of water, a controlled flood, some magical apparatus that defied all logic and math. I smiled at Deborah. Perhaps you can help. I need to see Cinderella's complete file. Certainly. Deborah came out from behind the counter. The C file cabinet is over here. Thanks. I wondered what story Deborah was from, but didn't think I knew her well enough to ask. Deborah went back to the counter, and I turned my attention to the first drawer, CA to CM. Cinderella, CI, would be in there. I found Ella's file without any problem. I was about to close the drawer when something caught my attention. Every file had a round yellow sticker on it, right after the name. Every file except one. The Candlemaker's Daughter, CA. It had an orange sticker. I took both files to the desk. Did you find what you wanted? Deborah asked. Yes, I want to check out Cinderella's, and I have a question about this one. I held up the Candlemaker's Daughter. Why does it have an orange sticker? All the other files have yellow ones. Hmm, I don't know. Deborah took the file from me and looked at the sticker. Yellow stickers mean the story is active, but I'm not sure what an orange sticker means. Do you know how to find out? I guess I could look in the notes Kiki Ka left. It might be there. Deborah flipped through a well-organized binder. Her finger jabbed at something in the middle of a page. Hmm. Orange stickers mean the story is inactive. What does inactive mean? It means the story's been vanished. I decided to take both files. The orange stickered one intrigued me. Logically, of course, my interest was a natural and mathematical result of the sensation of seeing only one orange sticker in the row of yellow ones. Besides, something about a story that had vanished was intriguing. Kalo still wasn't there when I returned to her cubicle. I was glad. I wanted to ask some questions about orange stickers and vanishing stories and was relieved I didn't have to ask him. Grim was never condescending when I asked questions. Grim waved me into his office when he saw me at the door. He was on the phone. Absolutely, Kara. I totally agree. But... No, but if he hasn't broken international law, then we'll have no case. No, I don't think so. I think Talos will argue Marshall Road is an extension of Smith's SFL because it's a portal point. Apparently Grimm and Kara, from the agency, were discussing Levi and his alarm clock trick. I realize the king is calling for action, but we both know the law is unclear on this point. If we pursue this, Talos will have the excuse he needs for a full assault. What excuse? The unlawful detainment of one of his operatives. Okay. Sure. All right, I'll be there. Thanks again, Kara. Goodbye. Grimm placed the phone on its cradle and turned to me. Well, Lily, Levi's latest stunt is causing an international uproar. What do you mean? International like the UN and Uganda and China? By law, Levi and the other agents of Upish Sena are not allowed to enter your world. Grimm straightened a few things on his desk. Oh, so this morning was illegal? Grimm sighed. Uh, not exactly. Tandem Talus will argue that because your house has a mirror phone, is on the Magical Mail network, and is the portal point to our world, it is an extension of Smith's SFL. Therefore, Levi was technically within the law. Nice. It could be completely legal for Levi to come to my house. What do you think? Grim shook his head. I think we have to concede that Talus has a point. Our best plan is to work on clarifying exactly what your house is in the International Council. Then the next time this happens, we'll know exactly what to do. Who exactly meets in the International Council? Do you meet with France and New Zealand? No, Grim smiled. The International Council is made up of just E.G. Smith's Salty Fireland, Wonderland, Oz, and Apish Senna. But, 
Grim clapped his hands together. I doubt you came in here to discuss international law. What can I do for you? I have some questions about vanishing. Grim raised his eyebrows. Interesting. Any particular reason this subject came up today? I hurried on. Kalo's out, and I was studying the notes he left and thought of some questions. Grim looked at me for a moment and smiled. Well, ask away then. Okay. First, when one person vanishes in a story, does everyone else vanish also? Not at the same moment, but they will, unless they have significant ties to another story. What does that mean? Our citizens often have siblings who aren't the main character of the story. They're just there. Grimm shifted in his seat. For instance, Prince Harry, the prince who rescued Rapunzel, is the second son of the king and the golden bird. I don't understand. How can he be in two stories? Grimm smiled. You may have noticed, Lily, that there are often three sons in fairy tales. The story almost always involves only the youngest. The other two leave home to seek fortune or fail to achieve the quest, but the youngest succeeds, and there we have that story. The others are only included to make it seem more heroic when the youngest wins. It's standard underdog philosophy. You want the little guy to prove that might isn't always right, that you don't have to be the firstborn to have good things happen to you, and that you can do it too. A philosophy that completely ignores the principles of probability. The simple odds are that the bigger person will win in a fight, that older children have more experience, and that there will be things in life you cannot do. Grimm went on. Anyway, the older two princes in the Golden Bird do not succeed in the quest. The youngest son, we are told in the story, does succeed and everyone lives happily ever after. But what do his brothers do? The second son took a walk in the woods one day and found Rapunzel's tower. Oh, so let's say Rapunzel has vanished. Would this second son vanish also? Anyone only in Rapunzel's story will vanish within the week of her vanishing. Harry, the second son and prince, still has a connection to an active story. He won't vanish, but his levels will be visibly affected. In what way? He'll drop faster, it won't take as long for him to fall to could be happier, and it will be harder to raise him back to happy. That makes sense. And would Rapunzel's tail vanish as well? From the records in your world, yes. But because Harry's still around, our copies and files on those citizens in Rapunzel's story would also still be around, which is nice because we can use our files to try to rescue them. Time for the big question. If everyone in a tale vanishes, then the tale is gone, even from us? Exactly. And all the files and notes made by our happyologists vanish too. It's one of the reasons it's so hard to get someone back if the entire tale vanishes. We don't have any history or records. That's why the Candlemaker's daughter is still missing. We have no files on them. Missing? I looked up, careful to catch all of this. Where do the records and stories go when they vanish? We don't know. Best and most logical guess? Grimm suddenly looked tired. They go to Uppish Senna, where Talos and his cohorts use the information to torture their captives. He sighed. Imagine being faced with the things that make you unhappy forever and ever. Imagine an eternity where my pencil always broke just before I solved a complex algebra problem, or where I was forced to write wrong answers to simple calculations, or listen to children chanting incorrect multiplication tables. And all the characters in The Candlemaker's Daughter vanished? Grim nodded. We've been trying to rescue Selden and her story for hundreds of years, but we're no nearer to it than we were just hours after it happened. I asked Grim a few more questions about vanishing, then I walked back to my cubicle. I was confused and intrigued by the file on my desk. I looked at the orange sticker. If the story was completely vanished, why was the file on my desk? Thank you for listening to this chapter. If you can't wait a week for the next installment, you can always purchase The Cinderella Theorem on Amazon.com in either a print or Kindle version. If you have friends who would enjoy the story, tell them about this podcast. 
I love to hear from my fans, so if you have a question for me, please reach out on the Lily Sparrow Chronicles Facebook page. Until then, may all your stories have happy endings.